Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's see it, friends, and welcome to the World Transform. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. How are you, my friend? Man, doing great. Got to the end of the week, and it's been another great week on the show. But, uh, hey, this one's fun. I always enjoy our Elon Musk shows. It seems like he comes up about once a month, and uh, maybe every two or three months we give him a whole show. Tonight he gets a whole show. So. It seems like Elon comes up once a week anyway. And yeah, right. we, once in a while we give Elon a whole show and other billionaires. We've, we've taken the time out for, from our busy schedules to uh, give other billionaires <laughs> advice. But Elon has become kind of a pet project with us. Basically, we've kind of taken him under our wing and <laughs> we do what we can to help him. You know, I mean, so, somebody needs to be there to, to help Elon Musk and, and, and we're going to do that. But something I just said reminded me of another topic before we jump into how Elon Musk can become more interesting that... <laughs> I think will make our show more interesting, actually. And that was a little bit of feedback we got over on the Facebook page from listener Steve Adger, who says, just an observation, a show I listened to recently, Amazing Augmentations and Augmentation Controversies, that's from December 8th, he says, I'm catching up, had 104 you knows. Could be a drinking game. (laughs) My my first response is, if it were a drinking game, it would be a dangerous one. You know, that would be a very dangerous drinking game. Okay, yeah. I think I just if you're doing a shot for every you know, and we said it 104 times, dude. Yeah. Just and don't. Okay. Alcohol. Yeah, alcohol poisoning is real thing. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even drink that much water. I don't think. I'm just telling you the truth. It's uh, that's just that's a lot. Um, okay, so gauntlet thrown down there. I'm going to go back and listen to that show, and we're going to see who the primary offender is. I think we both know. Who I'm going to it bet it's me. I think it's me. I. You know, in my, I just said it. I just said it. Dad gummit. Any rate, <laughs> in your defense, in speech. I, I I I did very well in speech back in college. Yes. Yeah, you know, I'm a pretty good speaking voice. I have interests that uh, are pretty good, and uh, I can I can express them. But between ums and you knows, I just it's a thing. It's a verbal tick, whatever. But uh, I do my best, but. You know, we had a time that uh, we scripted the show. Yes. And that was not a problem in scripted shows, but they sucked. Scripted shows are terrible. In order for us to have 
to be interesting. We have to not be scripted. And then we don't have time to script three shows a week anyway. That's we right. Have, and we, we're just going to get on here and talk. So I'll, I'll, I'll watch myself. I'll try to improve upon it. Maybe if I can cut it in half to just 50, uh, 50 you knows a show, maybe I'll do better. So. Well, I, I, I think you're job. probably doing about 50, because if there were 104, I'm pretty sure I did about 52. But, but uh, <laughs> I, I, my, my big problem is um. But I think what I'll do is I'm going to pick a random episode sometime in the future, and I'll go through an audit, since Steve was good enough to audit that episode for us. And I don't trust his numbers. I'm going to go through an audit, and I'm going to count every you know and every um. And here's the deal, Stephen, all right? I owe you a dollar for every time I say you know or um. And you owe me a dollar for every time you say you know or um, and we'll see who ends up owing who how much money, okay? Just for one show, right? <laughs> I'm afraid that's not going to work out well for me, Phil. And <laughs> well, I don't know because I, I, I um I um a lot. I think I um more than you do. I think you you know more than I do. I feel that I feel that between the two, this would this financial incentive would uh, see. That was uh, I, I think that my you know is a little bit like my signal to you that I'm finished talking and it's time for you to talk, Phil. It's, 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 instead of a CB lingo of over and out, it's uh, you, know, you know and then you Right. Can, well, and, and, and in fact, my, my uh is my saying that I haven't thought the sentence all the way through to the end. So give me a sec here. Let me see well, if I can. That's right. It's not, don't jump in. My, yeah. uh, the awe uh, is just I'm still gathering my thought. I yeah, there's a really good ending for this say. sentence, and I'm going to formulate it here now. There, here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so don't jump in, Stephen. It, it's, I, I realize that you're brilliant and you've got so much to say. But <laughs> yeah, don't oh, jump yeah. in yet. That's, that's, that is always going through this head. That's for sure. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so... So you, oh gosh! Well, it's amazing. It's it's like telepathy. Anyway, we're going to work on this, folks. Head. We're going to work on this. I see Stephen is scared of the financial challenge, so we'll figure out some other way to. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out some other way to uh, to uh, see see there see see what I did. We'll figure out some other way to uh, solve this. You know. Meanwhile, let's go back to. Elon Musk and how Elon Musk can become more interesting. That's right. We're giving advice to Elon Musk on how he can be more interesting. I, I just th That's a joke title, obviously, because our first story is called Elon Musk is Really Boring, and that's a joke title because when they say he's really boring, what they mean is he's really boring. He's Literally digging, boring. Yes, he's digging a hole, and he's boring a tunnel under the, under the city of L.A. I don't think that Elon Musk needs to become any more interesting. Personally, my Facebook news feed is overrun with not only Elon Musk stories, but the same one usually about a dozen times. Yeah. One of my friends yeah. sees it, and then a, week a few days later, somebody else sees it. And in fact, this one we're going to talk about, um, see, Elon Musk automation will force governments to introduce universal basic income. I know I saw five different times in the last few days. The humans must merge with machines or become irrelevant in AIH. I know I saw half a dozen times. Just everyone's fascinated by what – everyone's hanging on Elon Musk's words, and everyone's fascinated by what he has to say about these subjects. So we're not really going to well, tell the people Elon you follow Musk how to be more fascinated by it, Phil. The people you follow are fascinated by it. Yeah. Um, well, when I say everyone, I mean everyone of any importance, slash. <laughs> people, people I'm friends with on Facebook. Right? are interested in these things. So I'm not surprised that it come up more than once, but – this guy is a fascinating guy. So I love everything about this story, by the way. He, the, he announces the, the start of this new venture, this new company, 
by saying, you know, traffic is driving me crazy. I'm buying a, uh, a digging machine and get to digging underneath LA. Uh, of course, that's it's it's a funny way of throwing it out there, but he, I'm sure he already had had uh, plans in place for for this venture. But yeah, he is literally j- digging now under Los Angeles to make tunnels to uh, add to the uh, you know the ability of Los Angeles to handle traffic. I think it's fantastic and and and, uh, and a fascinating thing. You know, if you see a problem, go after it. And that's that's right. That's uh, is Elon Musk living up to his reputation that we have pointed out numerous times, basically being the protagonist in a Robert A. Heinlein novel. This is right. this is another example of something somebody in one of those books would have done. I'm tired of all this traffic. I'm gonna dig a great big tunnel under the city so I can get around faster. It's just We just don't want him to ever be the antagonist in a James Bond novel, right? I mean, we want him to be well, the Well, uh, in fact, on this one, he's kind of closing in on that. This one almost goes beyond the Robert A. Heinlein. This, this is almost like you can imagine Lex Luthor doing this in Metropolis, right? Um, <laughs> no, you know, right. not to say anything. I'm just saying this is kind of it's a Luther move, basically, to, 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 to do something like this. I, I think it's very exciting. We'll see how far he gets with it. And we'll see if if something interesting comes of it. I have a feeling something might, because traffic congestion really is a problem, and underground tunnels is not a bad idea at all. It's it's interesting that he comes up with it out of his personal frustration, but I don't think he ever goes public with an idea that he hasn't thought through as potentially being something that really has an actual market opportunity and a real kind of a transformative technology opportunity as well. So it's going to be fun to keep track of that one. Absolutely. Well, the next story, and we have many. I mean, again, Elon Musk, what a guy, right? Uh, humans must merge with machines or become irrelevant in the AI age. This is the one that hits your feet a half dozen times, right, Bill? So, That's right. Well, and let me well, just say that the next three, actually, I think the next three all come from comments he made at the same event. So they're all spins okay. on the same... One speech by Elon Musk generates all these different news stories on all these different topics, different but related topics. And, and here's, the, here's the first of those three. Humans must merge with machines or become irrelevant in an AI age. I think it's interesting the argument he makes here, and I think the rationale he gives for it is especially interesting. He says that the reason we'll be irrelevant is because computers can communicate at a trillion bits per second while humans whose main communication method is typing with their fingers via a mobile device can do about 10 bits per second. That's why we're irrelevant. If they're smart, if they're as smart as we are, and they can go, what is that, a trillion times faster, how could we be relevant? It's, it's just simple math that the thing that's a trillion times faster than you is going to be more high impact and be more relevant to anything that's occurring than you're going to be. I think he makes a pretty good case there. What do you think? Well, um, Stephen Hawking is um, a way of looking at it from the other end, isn't he? His ability to communicate is a a fraction of our ability to communicate. He has to, if he's going to compose a document or something, it takes him a long, long, long time, right? He's doing it uh, one character at a time with, with his eyes. Uh, and he, he's got shortcuts, and he takes shortcuts yeah. if he's able to. But uh, it's it's a it's a pretty tedious process, and and yet he manages to shake the world, right? And I think that that's just a function of how smart he is, and um, so you know that's true. But once, I think 
what do we communicate a few hundred, a few dozen times faster than he does? Not a trillion right. times, right? I mean, that's the truth. Yeah, the, that's that's that is such a big difference. But 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 it's a, the point was well made. That if you've got something good to say, even if you're slower, it's it's still it's, it's still a good it's still going to be say. worth saying it, right? Yeah. So and uh, if you've machines got, are going to have to get a lot smarter before we're um, before we become irrelevant. But uh, I, I I guess I'm going to go along with Elon Musk and say, yeah, handwriting's on the wall. We're going to have to. It's going to have to be us and the AI. It's not just the AIs on their own. We've got to be part of the picture, or we're going to be irrelevant. And his idea of merging with the technology, actually, if you swing it back to the Stephen Hawking analogy, it's perfect. Because yeah. the one and only way that we know what Stephen Hawking has to share with the world is through technology these days. Right. The extent to which he has already merged with technology, the, the, it, which he has done to a certain extent, is why we even can read his books. It's because right. the, the, the technology is put in there. So A hundred years ago, he would have been a locked-in patient, right? I yeah. mean, that's... Uh, yeah. Not even a hundred years ago. Yeah, so so it's actually pretty true to form that he's kind of demonstrating what we're all going to do. And when you talk about Google being part of your brain, well, eventually it will be part of your brain. If we go back to Monday's show, eventually we're going to have implants in our in our brains automatically accessing information or storing information or speeding up how fast we can think or just linking us up to a to another processor that's 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 in another place and all of that. I don't know if we'll ever function at a trillion times faster. Maybe we will. But we'll be part of processes that function much, much, much faster and that can keep us, keep us relevant in the world. I also think it's that we will be the means by which these trillion times faster processors become really, truly become part of the world, that they really become part of what human beings yeah. are doing and that they become part of our economy. Because Stark, Tony Stark and Jarvis, right? Yeah. They... They're a, they're a team. It took the team of Tony Stark and Jarvis to make Iron Man, right? So fictional, of course, but I think that's that's sort of what we're talking about, perhaps. I think so. Yeah. So I think he's I think he's completely right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we don't I, have I'm any going... advice to give Elon on this one. You... <laughs> I guess not. I guess not. What's the next one then, too? The, the next one: automation will force governments to introduce universal basic income. This this is kind of a forced headline. If you read the story, I like what Elon Musk says here. He says, I don't think we're going to have a choice. I think it's going to be necessary. There will be fewer and fewer jobs that robots that a robot cannot do better. He he gets at it the way we usually do, right? Yeah. Well, it doesn't look like we have any other way of solving this problem. So if there's no other way, then we'll do UBI. But as we've been discussing, eh, there may be some other ways, right? Yeah. Uh, with Brian Wong last week, uh, we discussed and uh, – Brian Wong talked about something uh, that universal basic electric power, right? And and the way he presented it was, if the poorest parts of the world had access to power the way, not even the developed world does, but um, you know, perhaps uh, uh, you know other places in the world that are not quite as developed as the United States, but just had a fraction of our power then what it would do for the entire world as far as just the explosion in uh, productivity that could uh, be brought to those areas of the world and therefore the entire world would be uh, incredible and more than payoff, right? 
So it's it's an investment that uh, we we would see a payoff in if uh, we could get power to these places. So universal basic power is is sort of his idea. But um, we kind of been expanding upon it this week to something a little more. Well, actually, we've talked about the important future of post scarcity, right? The, the the important technology that will support that will be something like the universal replicator. But before we have that, we'll have increasingly advanced 3D printers. We'll, ha- we'll have machines that increasingly offload the means of production directly into the hands of the consumer, or maybe into the hands of much smaller communities of consumers or, or, or into neighborhoods or, or, or something like that. But rather than paychecks going out from the government to people. What if the government is just providing the infrastructure that includes the power, maybe that includes the basic 3D printer that can provide you your stuff that produces that, that includes some of the feedstock? In, instead of checks, just giving that universal basic infrastructure might be an alternative to what's been described as UBI up to this point. Still leaving the cash economy kind of setting out there as a separate thing. And as if people have their own means of production, they might be able to augment, enhance their own means of production, and they might be able to participate in that cash economy that would still exist. So you, you might keep the kind of the best of both worlds by introducing a, 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 another, another system. So I would say to Mr. Musk, you're right to say, I guess that's what we'll have to do, because uh, what I hear in that is you'd like to see alternatives, and I think there are some alternatives. I, I, think, that, I think that alternatives around infrastructure, around people being able to produce their own stuff, might work as well as, and maybe even better than UBI, because we have skin in the game in terms of actually having to do our stuff, of actually having to have have the machine on hand and produce something. UBI makes us into pure consumers. If if we were to do universal basic infrastructure, that makes us part of the economy. That makes us producers of goods and services. Yeah. And I think I think that's that's, that's probably that's better. absolutely essential. We don't yeah. want to end up like people on board the Axiom and Wally, right? We want yeah. to. We don't want to have everything just brought to us, and 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 you know we have this again, completely meaningless life. We don't want that. We want we want to be involved in it. We don't want, you know. So two completely dystopian futures that are sort of opposite of each other. But you would neither. We would want neither to be left behind by the AIs, so that we're like. Living in in slums in the future, and the AIs are off, you know, traveling the galaxy and doing all these amazing, wonderful things that we don't get to be a part of. We don't want that. Nor do we want to be weighted on hand and foot, and not ha- and not have anything we can contribute to to the world either. We want to be part of the picture, and I think that some, something along what we're talking about so beats to death uh, uh, universal basic income. And so, I think so too. I, yeah. I think it, it kind of turns us back into farmers. It turns us back into yeah. hunters and gatherers. It, it it puts us back in the business of taking care of our own physical well-being, which we still do. I mean, even in the age of working and earning a paycheck, we do that. But it's a little more indirect. But all along, we've had skin in that game. One way or another, we've had skin in that game. And you want to, you want to still. Ha- I think you want to still have skin in that game. And this is the way you can potentially achieve that. Okay, one more Elon Musk story before we start geeking out here. And this is AI will make life meaningless. Elon Musk says. Well, this is just another story 
um, talking about the same comments. And I read through it, and I didn't actually see him say that. <laughs> so maybe I missed the quote. But I, I, I think you know, it was basically will be irrelevant, um, or that if people don't have work, uh, life becomes less meaningful. I, I, I didn't actually hear him say AI will make life meaningless. So um, once again, um, I feel like the, the hyping of Elon Musk's topics is, is a little bit out of control. But, but I think the, 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 I would respond to that along the same lines that, that we've responded up to this point. AI is not going to make life meaningless. We will decide whether life is going to be meaningful or not. AI can't decide that for us. And we're going we're gonna to set up a society in which we lead purposeful lives or we don't. And whether we have universal basic income or universal basic infrastructure, whether we have AIs that are that will do anything, you know, answer our every whim, or whether we have AIs that partner with us constructively, at every step of that way, just like today, just like it's been all through human history, you know, if life we is meaningful have. or meaningless, that's up to us, yeah. right? We're, we're going to decide right. that. Yeah, I mean, and you, you can have a meaningless life right now. <laughs> yeah, and AI has nothing to do with that problem. Or you could, you know, you can have a high-paying have a job life. and have a meaningless life. Okay, you know, right. I mean, That's yeah, right. it, there, there's there, those two things are only sort of connected, right? They're not completely <laughs> connected. You know, or, or you can be well, out of work for years and have a very meaningful life. I mean, the the, the two yeah. things there's there's a relationship between them, but it's not that cut and dried. There, there's a lot more going on there, and uh, I, I feel that he was kind of taken out of context. So I'm not arguing with you, Mr. Musk, on this one. I'm just arguing with whoever spun the story that way. I, th- I think that that's, a, that's an unfortunate way of spinning that story. But, but all told, Elon, we think you're interesting enough. You don't have to become any more interesting. Um, please, and- please think about alternatives to universal basic income, because if you, if, if you look at what some of the alternatives are, I think you'll come up with something grand there. And... Uh, Best of luck on the tunnel, right? And I guess that's our parting shot on Elon Elon Musk this week. Okay, you ready to ready to do some geek? Oh man, let's do some geek. And uh, this is one, you know one of the things we like to do is just uh, air all our interests on Friday night, right? That's kind of what we t- typically do uh, we, with other geek. We uh, just if it, if it's something that fascinates us, then we hope it fascinates you guys because that's we're gonna we're gonna let our geek flag fly, right? So absolutely, so, Bill, absolutely. You, you finally got around to seeing a movie I saw a little while ago. What did you think of Arrival? Well, I okay. This is going to be a completely spoiler laden uh, uh, review. So if you haven't seen Arrival yet and you don't want it ruined, uh, don't listen any further. Actually, go get Ted Chiang's book. Uh, which includes the story story of your life, and read the story because the story is actually better than the movie. That's that's my one spoiler I'll give to you before you depart. Now go because I'm going to spoil the movie for everybody. But hey, I think Arrival was fantastic. Okay, um, Arrival was a was an amazing movie. The, the the story it's based on was amazing, and they stayed pretty true to it. Uh, they they messed with it a little bit in in ways that I'm not sure I'm 100 percent comfortable with. But they but they kept it. They kept it alive good enough, well enough that uh, that, that I'm not going to make a, a big issue about this. What's funny about Arrival is it almost doesn't belong in other geek. And the reason for that is uh, don't let the aliens and their spacecraft fool you. Arrival is really not um, – it's not a geek movie, okay? I, can, I, I, I was very impressed to see that it got very high re- reviews on – 
Rotten Tomatoes and, and some of the other sites, and generally has been highly critically acclaimed, and I think it's up for an Oscar. The, 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 the movie's been very well received, but one of the criticisms of it that I heard, I think, Stephen, that you raised, that was that pacing-wise, it just it, it fell kind of flat, that maybe it could have been shorter, that it, 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 it didn't... Uh, it didn't well, you really could deliver. say the same thing. You could say the same thing about uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey, right? There's well, you could. Pacing. Yeah, you know, I there's, mean, there's it, pacing in that that I mean leaves a lot. A, a lot of people that sit down and watch that for the first time are going, "Oh my God, would something please happen?" But it's <laughs> it's it, and, and then when it's over, you go, "Wow, that was." I I am amazed still by 2001: A Space Odyssey, and I realize that there's just lots of long kind of. That allowing the st- story to sort of happen, and that's sort of that's part of what that movie was about. Is it takes time to give you the impression of what it's like to be alone, that and isolated in space. Okay? Yeah, and that's it, it's, that's part it's of creating what it's a mood. Two thousand one: A Space Odyssey creates a mood, and you can't just do that immediately. You can you yeah. you can you have an action sequence immediately, right? You can have a yeah. joke immediately. But you can't create a mood immediately. It takes a little bit of time for uh, for a mood or a feeling to to sink in, and that's why that's why a <laughs> romantic can... advice from Phil. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah you ahead. know uh, that. Talk about another whole podcast, right? That would be good. People could call in. I could help them out. Yeah. Um, the the thing about the thing about Arrival is it's almost not a geek movie because the movie I would liken it most closely to thematically is not a science fiction movie. People have pointed out that it's got a lot in common with Interstellar, and I think it does. It has a lot in common with Interstellar in terms of, in, in terms of having a, a hard science story on top of really a very moving emotional human story underneath. Right? Right. That's the, 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 the two things going on in Arrival, same two things kind of going on in Interstellar. But it didn't remind me of Interstellar. The movie it reminded me of... Um, and you might think I'm crazy, but this is the, this is the movie that I think it has a lot in common with. Is do you remember a movie from 1993 called Shadowlands? No, I don't know that movie at all. Oh, okay. Well, that was uh, it's a movie about C.S. Lewis, the great Christian writer, and it right. starred Deborah Winger and Anthony Hopkins. Uh, Hopkins plays C.S. Lewis, and okay. it's the story of how they meet. They eventually get married. And she's dying of cancer, and the he's the most unlikely person to have this romance and marriage thing happen to him, obviously. But but one of the things I'm sorry, spoilers for Shadowlands too. But folks, come on, you've had 24 years, so don't give me any. Um, <laughs> I'm okay. Spoil it away. I'll, also, I'll C.S. Lewis's it. life is kind of the historical record, so you know it's yeah you know yeah. I'm sorry, his wife died. Look it up. He's dead too. You know, I mean, it's just the way these things work. But. Um, he, he he is trying to, you know, they've got this very brief time together before she dies. And he's trying to, he's talking to her and he says, you know what we want to do is we want to have this time right here. Let this be our happy time. Let this be the time that we're together and we're happy. And she says, no, no. That, the pain then is part of the happiness now. That's the deal. And later, um, after she's gone, and he's reflecting on that, and he says that the, the happiness then it's part of the pain now. That's the deal. That idea is portrayed so profoundly in this movie Arrival uh, through, yeah. through this notion of a person who, is experience, who 
because she's learned this other language, is experiencing time in a nonlinear way. It just, I, found it, I found it very moving and really um, kind of thought-provoking. As, as you think about it afterwards, it, it kind of messes with you. Kind of like 2001 where some of the things you're seeing, you don't, they don't really register when you're watching it. But then you think about it there and go, wow, what was that? What did that mean? And as I'm reflecting on the movie after watching it, I'm thinking, what really was she experiencing? Right. If you're if you're imagine you're experiencing the entire time of your life in a nonlinear way, what would that even be like? You can't picture it without picturing sequences. Right. You can't picture you it. Ever without... seen the Time Traveler's Wife? Ever... No, I never have. Um, okay, they have a nonlinear marriage. He keeps showing up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, seriously, he, he 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 meets her when she's not uh, pretty much just a girl. And he's like, you know, much older. And then, I mean, and he keeps showing up. And so, you know, she, but he, he might be younger than her. And, 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 and so it's a nonlinear movie if oh, you wow. watch it from his, if it's from his point of view, but it's a linear mu- movie from her point of view. So, I mean, it's just, uh, and so it's just, he's just, uh, and uh, they, gave, they gave it a medical term. They said he, he has, time dysphoria or something anyway right he he just (laughs) and so he just uh you know so she knows early on what happens to him right because she knows how he dies and and right when but but he keeps showing up after that because uh you know they're he's still got life to live because he's he's jumping all over in the time stream it's it's a it's a remarkable movie uh and kind of it kind of speaks to a little bit, maybe how 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 she must be experiencing uh, uh, her life in this in this movie, and it it's, it, it felt like they 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 waited in in arrival for the reveal of what it was going on to the very end, right? Yes, I mean, yes. as far as how she's uh, as to what this language and learning this language of the aliens is doing to her mind, right. They right. wait until the very end to reveal the bang. You know these 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 little things, these little snippets that you're seeing are not like memories of things that have passed. These are things that are going to happen, and you don't. And, and you're seeing these memories throughout the entire movie, and only at the very end of the movie do you realize, oh my God, these things hadn't happened yet. Yeah, that's that's the big shift. That's the big surprise. And if you read yeah. the Ted Chiang story, it, it really hits you when you're uh, when, when you're reading that story. But when, when you see that they do it very effectively in the movie. But yeah. I think the problem is the problem is if you picture it exactly that way, because you think, oh, okay, well, she's here in the timeline, and these things were all before, and now, right. oh, actually, she's here in the timeline, and these things are all next. Because what fundamentally shifts there is not only that yes, those are things that are quote unquote future. But we're seeing all this as just snippets taken from a nonlinear experience of time completely, right? right. Not, not, none of it's happening in a row for her. It's just all there, like, like the language. The heptopod language is a circle, and you see the whole sentence at once, right? You don't, there's, there's no beginning and there's no end. It's, just, it's all there. Her, her, her experience is all there at the same time. And I don't know. It, it's, it, it's obviously beyond uh, anything we can really have a picture of in our heads because we can't picture time that way. We have to use time to think about time. And, and so we, you yeah. know, we, we, we end up, uh, uh, we end up just going, wow, 
that that yeah. that that worked. Yeah. Anyway, I, I highly recommend that movie. And for fo- folks who haven't seen it, I highly recommend Shadowlands from 1993. Check it out. It's a, it's a wonderful I'll to, movie. I'll definitely have to watch Shadowlands. I, my my review of Arrival is a little more mixed. It's uh, there's some pacing issues, and um, it's again they're they're you know they're setting a mood, and they take it takes a while to set this mood, and it's melancholy. It's really melancholy. And, it is a sad, uh, if, moving, if, it's sad experience. Yeah. yeah. And if uh, you're not in the mood for that, then watch something happier. Because, um, you know, but there are times, that I'm sure, that uh, you, you might be. And then put on a rival because it's interesting and thought-provoking, no doubt. Yeah. So. The, I mean, the, 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 one, the, the one partial remedy to that is it, it, they give you the tragedy from the get-go. The tragedy is a given. In, in that story. Right. You're two minutes in and you know about it. Um, it's, it's what that means in this greater context, which is also kind of what, uh, what Shadowlands deals with, is what I really like about that movie. But anyway, I could go on all night. However, we've got to talk some Lego Batman. You guys saw it. What would you think? Loved it. Loved it. Lego Batman is awesome. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if you're feeling melancholy after watching Arrival, go watch Lego Go Batman. watch Lego Batman. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of the palate cleanser, right? It's uh, yeah. you'll love it, and uh, that that's a uh, that was a fun one. I, you know, the Lego Movie was kind of fun. It was uh, it, it, it's to me it was almost ruined by the ending. Um, I, I didn't. I, I know that they were sort of building towards that particular ending in the Lego Movie throughout the movie, but it's still oh. I, I did I didn't much care for it. But uh, most most everybody else did. I'm, I'm one yeah, of the people that didn't neat. like the Lego Movie. Yeah, yeah, most people did. I, my, I realize I'm in the minority on the Lego movie, but there's nothing not to like about the Lego Batman movie. It was, uh, <laughs> it's just it it's awesome. fun from the get-go. And did you hear the line? Yeah. Ask your nerd friends. Did uh... <laughs> I did not catch it? I was. I even waited through the credits. Uh, I was. Uh, oh no, it was earlier on. It's it, uh, he's he's listing all these different villains, and he gets to. Uh, he he shows a Dalek, and he says British robots. Ask your nerd friends. Uh, it just oh, it okay. probably happens. <laughs> I just missed it somehow. I just yeah. It. I just I just if I'd been eating popcorn, I would have sprayed it all over the screen. I just, that was a belly laugh yeah. right there. You know, ask Phil and Stephen; they would. Dalek on exterminate. You know how they do. No, no, oh, that's awesome. Um, but hey, I I, I want to hit one more thing on the on our other geek. We're 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 geeking out a lot tonight. We got lots. That's of That's fine. Back in 2004, I got this crazy idea that, uh, well, let me, let me back up to the 80s when I'm a kid. And I'm playing okay. in the arcades. And the, and in going, 1633, yeah. that, no, no. We've got to go back a bit to start this story. Yeah, yeah that's right. But, uh, you know, I, I just said, man, I would love to have one of these arcade machines. When, you know, when I get, hey, when I get to be a, a grown-up one of these days, I'm going to own one of these arcade cabinets, and, uh, and that, that way I can, I can play Miss Pac-Man anytime I like, you know? Right. And, uh, and so um, time goes by, and, uh, you know, about 2004, I started hearing about uh, something called uh, MAME, M-A-M-E, Multiple Arcade Machine Emulation. That allow, it's a, it was a program that allows... Uh, um, a person to play pretty much any of the old classic arcade games 
and uh, you know some are in the public domain, and so that that's that's legal. And if you own the uh, if you own the ROMs, it's certainly legal to do. So anyway, I got to, I got to looking at it and said, hey, you know what? Um, now would be a perfect time to have an arcade cabinet, particularly if I if I put a uh, uh, a computer in it that could uh, running uh, multiple arcade machine emulation, so that I could have more than one game. I don't have to have a whole arcade. Uh, full of ca- you know, full of thirty cabinets in order to. You got one machine, and you can play all machine. the old games on there, right? And that's right. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I can have an arcade in a single machine, and so yeah, I want to have. I'm going to have an arcade cabinet. So, anyway, I I bought a book called Project Arcade: uh, Build Your Own Arcade Machine, and um, it was back in 2004. It looked exactly like one of those dummy books. Okay, um, it's the same exact shape and size. It's made to look like one of those. Okay. Right. Right. Same, same print and everything, and um, it's completely dated now. It's still for sale. You can go buy it, um, but um, everything in it is dated except the plans for the cabinet itself. It has some great plans for an arcade cabinet, and if that's what if if uh, we have any listeners that want to build their own arcade cabinet, I still recommend that book. Uh, I think it's like chapter two uh, lays out plans for building uh, your arcade cabinet yourself. And uh, I did it um, back in 2004, but pretty much left the cabinet undone. You know, I, I, I had it all fixed up. I kind of pushed it over in the, in the corner of a room and just, uh, you know, kind of left it undone. Because at the time, my oldest child was six years of age, and I kind of wanted to experience that with them. Okay, with my kids. Mm-hmm. Right. And now my, my youngest is, you know, I've, I've got four sons. And my youngest is now 11 years of age. That's, you know, it's been a few years since 2004. So. Um, and so he, he was saying, Dad, what do you want to do with this? Uh, you, you know, you want to sell it? Or you want to? I said, no, I don't want to sell it. I want to, I want to fix it up with you guys. And uh, so we, um, you know, nowadays you don't have to put like a big tower computer inside the, box, inside the thing anymore. You can run it on a Raspberry Pi. Okay, a Raspberry Pi computer can it can run your uh, multiple arcade machi- machine emulation program, right? And right. and uh, so a thirty dollar computer now can can run an arcade worth of uh, of old games. How about that? And and uh, so um, so we we dropped a um, a, a Xcade uh, X Arcade uh, controller in it and uh, and upgraded the components and the sound system and everything and. Uh, um, we're we're uh, we're 99% of the way there. We just got a couple things left to do. We can, we'll have it 100% done. I'm confident in a week or two. Awesome. And, uh, so how's it working so far? Are you guys liking it? Oh yeah, we're loving it. The the kids are having a good time playing some of these games that uh, that they've never had a chance to. You know, well they they've played a few of them, but it's, they're harder to find some of these classics now, right? I mean, sure. You you can't you know unless you're going someplace that uh, has that goes out of their way to to you know, cater to the these eighty eighties games and stuff. You're not gonna you're not gonna find them. And coin op games are just they're hardly making any new ones because the consoles have won. Right. You know, right. If uh, if you're interested in state of the art uh, arcade type gameplay, uh, you buy a console now, and sure, uh, you, and you you don't get that in in arcades anymore. So, so you know you're, you're doing two you're doing two wonderful things here, Stephen. You're helping preserve that that heritage of the old arcade games, the old coin-operated games, and you're passing on to your sons the wonderful experience of playing on a real, you know, cabinet. arcade yeah, real machine. Deal. 
what the yeah. way it's supposed to be, standing up and cranking that joystick and looking at the screen. <laughs> That's right. If you could and rig it where they have to pay a quarter, then they'd really feel the pinch, okay? That would... <laughs> that's right that's right I, and, and you know i actually have it's your, your laugh i actually have like a coin door that i could install in this thing that the old core the oh excuse me the old code still requires that it get a coin right and yep. uh you, right now i got it set up where you just push a button well i would i would love it if there was a if there's a way to uh to actually uh <laughs> just uh to actually put a coin in but well, you know that's that's another project for another day. Probably. I tell you, you get that rigged up, and then I'll show your sons how to how to beat that with a drinking straw. Not that I ever <laughs> did that, okay? Because that would be wrong. But uh, well, anyway, fun stuff. Hey, what a great other geek, and what a great week it's been. We've had a lot of fun talking about all this stuff, and uh, let's do it again next week. What do you say? More uh, sounds good. More looking into the future. All right. Well, thank you all for being with us. We will be back with three brand new shows and two dips into the archive next week. And until next time, live to see it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.